peace of Christ reign in each one of our hearts. Um, I don't know, or do you guys believe in mind reading? This morning when, when we were singing, when Sean was having scripture reading and everything else, it almost um, brought me to tears because it, it felt like it went along so well with, with the message that I have for you today. And um, the, 897, or the 878 song about living for Christ, praising God's goodness, um, and it, just allowing him to work in our lives is, is, a, is a message that I don't think that needs to ever grow old in any of our hearts. And I, as I was preparing for this message, it actually, I took it out of Faith Life sermons, and I, I wasn't, pre- wasn't planning on sharing this, stealing his notes or anything like that, but I was dealing with one of my sisters and some emotional struggles that she was going through this time, and I was, um, I was trying, to, trying to think of somehow that I could help, and um, I came across this message, and it so blessed my heart, and so I decided that I'm going to use this as a, as a um, springboard to go off of. And it, it talks about dealing with the seven deadly Ds. And I think that most of us can probably relate to at least some of them. Probably, I could probably say that I've dealt with, with most of them. And the seven deadly Ds this, um, consist of discouragement, defeat, disappointment, difficulty, delay, doubt, and depression. Have any of us ever dealt with that? Have any of us struggled with that? Have any of us dealt with discouragement? Have we felt like we've, we've tried to win in this battle of life and haven't been able to? We, we feel defeated. There's things that happen, you know, in life that there's disappointments that come up that we thought that Surely this is going to be different. It's going to change. God, I know that this isn't what you had planned for me. And I think most of us have had difficulty, or otherwise, if we haven't had difficulty, um, I'd like to talk with you after church and see what it's about. Delay, doubt, depression. And the bad thing about it is is that sometimes depression or discouragement, as we know it, can be contagious. We deal with somebody living with us, somebody that we, that, we, um, that we deal with every day at work, somebody that we deal with at church. And sometimes that person can exclude um, discouragement. And, and, and all he does is, is talks, he or she does is is she, she gives us aura of discouragement and somehow, unless we have something greater, that discouragement tends to kind of permeate into our lives as well. <clears throat> Unfortunately, we don't have that ability to insulate ourselves or to isolate ourselves from, 
discouraging people. But we can insulate ourselves from that simply because by having God's grace and God's, God's love in our lives, then we can, we can insulate ourselves and hopefully then we can, we can turn, turn our faith and our joy into, into joy into that person's life as well. Unfortunately, also, discouragement is a lifestyle. I can choose whether I want to wallow in self-pity or if I want to rise above that. And it's, when I think about that being a lifestyle, that's not fun to think about it. It's like, that's a choice, but you don't understand what I'm going through. If you'd understand the things that I'm going through right now, you would deal with the same things that I'm dealing with. And that's right, I probably would. But it's still a lifestyle. I can either concentrate on, on that or I can move on to higher ground. Um, the, um, the chapter, my text that I'll be <clears throat> reading out of today and you can open and read with me if you want to is in Nehemiah 4. And we just kind of jump in the middle of nowhere but um, the reason that I'm that I'm doing it is because, like I said, the Faith Life sermons where I had gotten this one out of had started there, and, and it was a good place to start. Um, I would have probably begun at the beginning, but the way that he had um, wrote it up, it, it, and I think I am actually going to start at the beginning because it, it just, I like the rest of it too. So we're going to start in chapter 4 and the, uh, verse 1. And, and just to give a little bit of history, Nehemiah was called and given a mandate that he's supposed to rebuild the, the foundations of Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been broken down and had been destroyed, utterly destroyed, and I'm not even sure exactly. I think it might have been King Ahasuerus might have destroyed it. I'm not sure. But um, Nehemiah was called that he's supposed to go back with some people and he's supposed to rebuild the walls. And so now he's gone back and he started, he, he, he went out and he started rebuilding it. And, but it came to pass that when Sanballat heard what, that he was building the walls, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the armies of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? I will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, a fox, go up, he shall even break down their stone walls. That's a, that's a pretty feeble wall when a fox can just run across and break it down. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity, and let not their sins be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So, built we the wall. This is where it kind of starts. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. And I think right here we're seeing that Nehemiah had a vision, and he had a mandate from God. And I think when we have a mandate, we have a vision, I think that is a direct calling from God and that we need to follow that. But sometimes... We get, and, and it also talks about that um, the people had a mind to work. And why did they have a mind to work? Because Nehemiah 
put that vision into them that they had a desire to have the same vision that Nehemiah did. And I think sometimes when, when we have a vision, um, we can be enthused about it, but when other people don't share our vision, I don't care how much of a vision that you've got, it's really hard to get people on board. But I think Nehemiah had a vision that these people were on board and they, they were enthused about it and they had a mind to work. And so they started working, working away at it and, and they had a mind to work. And they got the wall half up. And then what happened? <clears throat> you, get, you get halfway into a project sometimes and you lose sight of the goal. It's like, this is a way bigger chunk than I imagined that it would be. I never imagined that life could be this hard. Um, and I'm really wondering if I should not maybe, <clears throat> maybe quit. That sounds like a good idea right now. I was, um, I was climbing a mountain the other day and my goal had been, what I would really like to do is, is you know, start climbing, go, 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 and, you know, not stop until I get to the top. <clears throat> that was a great goal. But um, about halfway up, I kind of ran out of steam. And it's like I started wondering to myself, why am I doing this? This is really hard work. I, I'm, I'm resting, you know. Uh, this... That peak is still a long ways up there. Um, and I rested, and after I rested a little bit, I, I got enough courage, I, I went up some more. And, you know, you would think that you would have the easiest part to start, I mean, at the top. Start with the hard stuff when you're full of energy. Uh, you know, start with a, with a tough part of the climb. And then as you run out of steam, then you kind of, then you kind of, um, you know, it'll gradually get better. Unfortunately, the hardest part is right before you get to the top. But, you know, there was a number of times you sat down there and you, you puffed and you huffed and it's like, I'll never make it. But there was people that came around the corner coming down and they were all smiles and they were happy and they said, you know what? It is so beautiful up there and you're almost there. Keep going. You're, you, you've got this. You know, that gave, me, that gave me courage to keep going. Um, but it would, have been, it would have been so easy to stop. And actually, I did stop before I got to the top. I think there was another rock that I could have climbed that would have gotten me up 10 foot higher, but I valued my life more than I did the, the climb. But isn't that the way that it goes sometimes in life? Life gives us, throws us curveballs that we aren't expecting. Um, we get, we get totally exhausted spiritually, um, emotionally, physically, and, and, and we're, just, we're, just, we're just so tired out. You know, life isn't the way that, it, that we thought that it was going to be. You know, we didn't, for you young mothers, we didn't expect that this is going to be this tough raising children. I mean, when I, when I gave my Lord, uh, life to the Lord, I expected that it was going to be, I was going to go out on the mission field, we were going to win souls for Christ, you know, this is going to be all great. Um, 
And here I am, I'm taking care of my children day after day after day and nobody really seems to care. My children don't even appreciate me. You know, I've got Zachary here. Well, when I started with Zach, taking care of Zachary, it was great. You know, it's like, hey, we're making a difference in this little boy's life. But after a while, you know, Zachary doesn't show any appreciation whatsoever. What, what purpose do I have? You know, Shanna, you're taking care of your, your mother. It's like, I never expected that this would be this hard. This isn't fun. How many souls am I winning through doing this? But you know, we realize the sacrifices that mom made for us. You know, there's people here today that we're struggling in our marriages. We never expected that when we went into and did our marriage vows, that this is going to be tough. It's all about the warm, fuzzy feelings in our, in our hearts at that time. You know, we never expected that we're going to be struggling with that. You know, we're ready to face defeat. It's not worth it. And I think that's exactly where, where the, uh, the children of Judah were at, at that point in time. Discouragement sets in. The more we work, the less we accomplish. Whenever I think that I've almost got my hands pulled, I've got, I'm almost getting my hands pulled together, you know, some jerk goes and pulls the ends apart, away. Life is tough, but you gotta be, yeah. You gotta be up to it. And I don't think that's something that I can do from my own, and I don't think that that's something that you wanna do from your own. Ezra 4, 4 to 5 says, Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in the building and hired counsels against them to frustrate them. You know, we like to think that, that there's always going to be people on our side that we want to, we, they're, they're going to be supporting us. Whatever we do, they're going to be supporting us and they're going to be encouraging us on. We're going to, we're going to get this together. But sometimes today that there's people that don't want the best for us. There's people that would like, and I do know for a fact, I know that Satan goes around me like a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy. And I think that sometimes, even in our churches today, that there's brothers and sisters that are not seeking for my best interest. And I have to face those discouraging times, can I say alone? Possibly. But you know what? I don't have to face it alone. With God's help, I can face it. <clears throat> the enemy would badly like to frustrate you, to see you fail, to make you ineffective, to void life of meaning, and even split and divide the church and my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's a bad time. I mean, all that, he, all that they would have needed to do in Nehemiah's time and in Ezra's time would have been if they would have said somehow, you know, caused a rift between the brothers and the sisters, you know, the people of Judah, if they would have just caused a rift in there, and then that, they wouldn't have been able to succeed. Verse 7, <clears throat> But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ash Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come out to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. 
How would you feel about it? Not only are they discouraging them, they're, um, but they're also they're threatening them with their lives now. But it says in verse 9, it says, Nevertheless, we made our prayers unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And I love that. They, were, they set a watch day and night. They never got discouraged. They never, they, and I think that they were making a couple of valid points right then. Because Nehemiah put it in, in um, their, their court. Basically what he said is like, hey, we're not going to give up. We have got a vision that is worthy of maintaining. We've got a mandate from God that we need to maintain. And so what I'm going to do is we're going, or what we're going to do, this is not what I'm going to do. What we're going to do is we're going to set up a, a watch day and night. We're going to make sure that we stand together. And, and there was a couple of things that, that that showed, I think. For number one, it showed that the people were all willing to work together for this. They weren't, going to, they weren't going to give up. And number two, it says that um, it shows commitment against the enemy. And I think, you know, when Satan sees a church, a brotherhood, working together against the enemy, I think that he, he shudders. It makes him afraid. And then number one, or number, yeah, I think, I think that would be number one, is I think that God sees that commitment, and he smiles when he sees that. That this isn't just something that, like, like we were discussing in, in Sunday school this morning. Um, or was it? I don't remember when it was exactly. Um, but at one point in time, made the discussion that sometimes that we pray, and we ask that you bless this person and that person and heal this person and that person and, you know, um, whatever else that we pray for. And we pray, it's like, whew, got that out of my system. Now I'm, I'm done for the rest of the day and we forget about it. And I think that this was, a, this was an indication of this isn't going to go away. We take this seriously and we're going to, we're going to pound on it day and night until we, get, until we get what we want or need. And in verse 10, and it said, And Judah, the strength of the bearers of burden is decayed, and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. I think they were experiencing a, a discouraging time. Sometimes we get looking around and we see, oh my, there's a lot of rubbish. There's no way that I can, I can get across this. I mean, this, this, this pile of rubbish in my way, if it were out of the way, then maybe I could, maybe I could do something. But, you know, it's, it's in my way. And there's no way that I can get rid of it. You know, you have to start somewhere. And I think that is probably something that we need to do in our lives today. Get rid of that rubbish. Move on with life. And then we can rebuild and we can have this wall. We can bring this back together. <clears throat> um, yeah. It says... In Romans 10, 17, uh, 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I think when we talk about faith, we hear it, and then we, um, and it, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We can, we can hear that word of God. And so then, then we have faith. And it's also the, the exact opposite. If we have fear... We're listening to the wrong voices, I believe. And that's, that's what I think um, 
when, when we listen to the voice of fear, and I think that all of us are going to have fears in our lives. I mean, there's, we're making financial decisions, we're making, we're na making family decisions, whatever that we're doing. There's always going to be that, that fear of possible failure lurking in the back of our mind. And I think when we listen to it and let that reign our life, I believe that that's when we're listening to the wrong voices. <clears throat> um, what fears are you facing this morning? <clears throat> is, there, is there a fear of embarrassment? You know, that we're going to be embarrassed if we expose the struggles that we're facing. Is it the fear, fail, fear of failure? Is it the fear that I'm going to I'm going to get started on this project and I'm not going to be able to make it? Is it the fear that I have to be perfect in order for other people to see us the way that they'd like us to, to be? I was visiting with uh, some people that were staying at the same place that we were, and they, they made the comment that they said that, you know, on social media today, the way that you portray yourself is so important. Even the way that we pose for pictures, you know, um, we have to be perfect in the eyes of the beholder. Is that what we, is that the um, nuance of our life, of our Christian living, is that we have to portray that perfect family. I have to portray that being able to financially provide, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not that perfect person, then, then what's, what are the people going to think about me? Is it the fear that I can't handle the pressure that I'm going to get if I stand up for what's right? And these are all legit fears that I think a lot of us struggle with, or I do anyway. But praise the Lord, there is a cure for these fears. And that's what that's the, the note of joy that I want to bring to each and every one of you. And, and, and how, did, how did Nehemiah handle the situation? I mean, because in verse 10 it says the people were discouraged because of all the rubble. And our adversary said, They shall not know neither see till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass... That when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places when you shall return unto us, they will be, be upon you. Therefore said I, in the lower places behind the walls and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. And it came to pass... When our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought, brought their counsel to naught, that we returned, all of us, to the wall, everyone unto his work. We have got this God that we serve that can also help us build these walls up again. And so, so what um, Nehemiah did was, for, for one thing, he regrouped. And I think that sometimes when we're, when we're emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically exhausted, we need a time of rest and relaxation. Am I correct in that? Um, or is that just something that that's not for Christians today? Is that we shouldn't rest and relax? 
And I, I do think that sometimes that in our American living that might be taken to an extreme, but I do think that that is something that is good for, for each and every one of us. And in, in Psalms 127.2, for those of you that need an excuse for a vacation, um, there, is, there is something that you can read there. And then in Mark 6.30, it talks about Jesus and his disciples and how they didn't even have time to eat almost. And then he, he recommended them to go to a desert. And for all of you guys that think, and this is a side note, that think that going to Florida is the right place, no, Arizona, that's where you go for vacation. So, um, But that is, that is just a side note. I do think that there is a time that we just need for our, for our emotional, spiritual, physical well-being. I do think that sometimes we need that break. Not that I don't think that God can provide, because he can, but I do think that that's sometimes the way that he does provide, is by just having the time to relax and, and bask in God's presence. <clears throat> and then he reorganized. Sometimes we think Nehemiah reorganized his people, and he, he put them into family groups, and, and so instead of having them scattered all over the place, and you know the families didn't know where each other were, um, he had them reorganized in families. And I like that, that thought, you know, knowing where our families are at so that we can comfortably go on about our work. And um, he, gave, he gave them the tools to work with. And um, sometimes we end up, we're, we're doing the right thing, but we're doing it the wrong way. And so we just need to be able to refocus and reorganize and then keep on plotting for, for the direction that we're, we're going. <clears throat> and then he also redirected their attention to where all of us, and this is something that I'd like to focus on for just a little bit because that is something that is so very important. We need to focus on who God is, what he does in each one of our lives. Because I think if we, if we focus on the negativity of this world, you know, it's, it's one of those things that whenever you go on to news or, or read news or listen to news or, or watch news or whatever you do, it becomes discouraging because all you can see is you can see doom and gloom and, and failures and shortcomings and whatever else. But in the end, you know, there's still lots and lots of people that bless our lives. You know, I think, I think um, the other evening at the fundraiser, Ellis's and, and Benny's were so blessed, I'm sure, with seeing the outpouring of love, that people actually care about each, each one of us. <clears throat> there's, and then there's three things that I want to talk about, and I need to br bring this thing to a close. Remember God's goodness to you in the past. Hasn't God provided for us in, in, in many wonderful and miraculous ways? He really has. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. There's, there are so many, you know, and, and here we sit as stolid little Mennonites and we can't think of one, one, little, one little blessing that God has given. Well, yeah, God is good. We might even raise our hands feebly and say, yeah, God is good. But do we actually believe it in our hearts? Remember, this is for, the, this is for the, the very right now. This isn't in the future. This is for right now. Is Remember, God's presence is with you 
Lo, I am with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that wonderful to know that God, God is here today? He's here yesterday, and he's going to be here for us tomorrow when we need him. <clears throat> and then in Isaiah 40, remember that in the future, God is still with us. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says, I will help you, I will strengthen you, I will see you through this. Isn't that wonderful that we have got a God that's, that does that for us? I would have liked to read Psalms um, 91, but it is time to close, and I would just encourage each and every one of you, today, tomorrow, and the next day, when we're facing discouraging and dark times, that we can remember God's goodness and remember that his love is going to continue with us. May the Lord bless you, give you all a good week of undiscouraging days or days that you can rise above those discouragements. <clears throat>